Today's podcast is brought to you by Elenco Animal Health and Kelly's Finance. Hello, I'm Kerry Lunigan. Welcome to The Weekly Grill. On The Grill today, a bloke with a CV littered with achievements through a range of beef industry positions and in private enterprise. But his current gig has to rate as one of the toughest gigs in Australia. David Larkin, CEO of the Kimberley Meat Company. Welcome. You're on The Grill with Beef Central. G'day. How are you doing? Not too bad. Now, a tough question first, David. Do you have control of the barbecue at home? Yes. And so how is the meat cooked? Is it always um, medium rare or thereabouts? Blue. Blue. <laughs> That's You're a first. That's the first blue we've had in all our guests on Beef Central Ask that particular question. <laughs> it's usually medium rare. That's the uh, par for the course, but blue is a... Is a first. Thank you very much for that. Now, David, um, is this the toughest beef industry job in Australia, running an abattoir in one of the most isolated parts of the country? I don't think so, Kerry. I mean, running any plant is uh, uh, is a tough job. Um, you know, obviously, this plant had been closed since uh, September 2020, so reopening any plant um, is always a challenge with. Uh, uh, having been closed for that period of time, the, the um, remoteness of it all does add to the challenge. Um, but you know, you know that uh, before you start. Yeah, you're pretty experienced in that part of the country, aren't you? But late last year, a surprise move, but uh, so far so good. The abattoir was turned into a co-op. What was the reasoning behind that? No, we looked at me becoming a co-op. Um, the WA state government was. Uh, was interested in seeing if a co-op could be formed um, where you know, producers um, bought uh, or participated in shareholding um, and the WA government was um, prepared to offer funding um, for Yida to sell the asset to the cooperative. But in the end, um, a co- it was decided that a cooperative wasn't the best way forward. So KMC, Kimberley Meat Company, is a 100% owned subsidiary of the Eater Pastoral Company. Right, so there's no other investors in the group. I mean, what was that talk about um, the, the Spudshed guy, Tony Galati, investing? Well, he was interested in taking up a cooperative membership, but um, uh, given that the cooperative hasn't gone ahead, then no, there's no other um, external shareholders other than the original Eater so Pastoral the, Business shareholder. The still got it 100%. Hundred percent. Now, um, David, what, what's your what's your daily kill up there? Two fifty. And are you looking to expand? Are there is there a probability? Yeah, we will. Or, we've yeah. got um, we've uh, we've got a um, a, a fairly uh, intensive capital expenditure plan for the next uh, eighteen months. You know, we we're planning to reinvest uh, about thirty million into the plant, um, and that's mainly. Around some big ticket items, we want to put a renderer. Um, we want to extend the dining room. We want to put some plate freezing or some more plate freezing in and build a cold store. That's a, an outstanding uh, a lot of faith in the the abattoir, the processing business in Northern Australia, isn't it? Thirty million dollars. Yeah. Um, well, um, yeah. There there are a lot of cattle in this part of the world. There are indeed, despite yes. what people yeah. think. Yeah. Now, has demand for um, uh, has demand for kill space lifted since the live export numbers diminished? Uh, 
looks like even getting certainly worse. more cattle yeah, available. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, more cattle available, but um, um, yeah. Where, where do you where do you source uh, your cattle from? Oh, we we sourcing cattle from yeah the north north WA and um, western NT. And and the Yeda Pastoral Company has a contribution, I assume. Yeah, well, we've got thirty thousand of our own cattle. I guess they can almost walk them into the kill box, can they? From nearby? they do. Yes, they, they walk do. Up, they walk up a race. Yeah. With that uh, tough desert country, I, I assume no tick problems up there or anything like that. I wouldn't call all of the Kimberley tough desert country. I mean, where we are in the West Kimberley, it, it's, um, or it's tough, certainly yeah. not desert. Okay, fair enough. Hard country though, but. Um, so, but there's no, you don't have to dip them or anything like that. Uh, there are ticks in the Kimberley, yeah. yeah. So, what's the market you aim? You get mostly uh, cull bulls or cull cows? Uh, yeah, look, we, we we do process cow and bull, but we're also processing some yearlings. Yeah. Um, we're, we're feeding some uh, yearlings in and around um, the abattoir and in. Um, in feed yards uh, nearby, so our, our uh, expansion will go into the the, the yearling business um, as we we grow. Um, most of your cattle Brahmins or Brahmin cross are they? Oh, uh, there's a there's a there's a very diverse range of cattle in the Kimberley um, Kerry, and um, there are you know quite a few um, very good herds um, of, of of sort of flatback type. Um, cattle, you know, there are, there are there's a particular herd of droughtmaster cattle here, which would be easily the best herd of droughtmaster cattle outside of Queensland, um, and as good as any droughtmaster um, you know, um, herd in Queensland. Wow. It's quite a lot of um, Red Angus, Shorthorn, Santa Gertrudis. So, um, you know, the the yak, uh, floppy ear, big hump. Um, type animal is not as prominent as you would expect. Um, you know, I think one of the things that by having a meatworks uh, in um, North WA and, and us sort of focusing on um, producing um, better quality meat, you know, we will be able to uh, incentivize farmers to you know lift their genetics and and um, you know, manage their bulls and and um, you know, manage the, the the production of the offspring so that there are not so many sort of you know live export um, young bulls and those sorts of things. So yes, I'm sure you know in broad um, terms, Kimberley beef does not enjoy a, a high reputation. So that's changing, or you want to change that reputation now? We will change that. Yeah. So so you're looking for more flatback cattle up there, are you? Well, there's there are a number of flatback feeder cattle in the area. Um, yeah, but you know. Historically, what's happened is nobody's nobody's marked their their males, and you know they've sold them as uh, feeder bulls to the live export. Now we think that um, we can motivate producers to mark those cattle and produce feeder steers for us. Now um, you mentioned the expansion of a boning room. Do you do you still bone in on site, or or is some carcass truck south? Uh, we have a mixture, but we are boning on site. Yeah. So, and you expand your your plan is to expand the the bone in room. Yes. Okay. Now, when, but when you send stuff south, or even if you're sending it for export, let alone boning, 
What's the freight, the taxi fare? It must be huge coming from uh, east of Broome down to from Antelope or, or Perth. Yeah, the freight's a factor, but, um, you know, freight is a factor for every business. Um, you know, there's maybe a little bit more than others, but um, certainly not a showstopper, Kerry. I, I was talking to a, a fellow about what you're doing up there, and he said, oh, they would get a lot of uh, full trucks coming north, and they'd be grateful for the load coming back. Is that how it works for you as well? Oh, no, we have a pretty dedicated um, fleet of trucks um, provided by uh, by the contractor who works for us because um, we also not only freight carcasses, we freight cartons and we freight hides. And right. So, you know, we <coughs> a truck up here is, is a 345-foot trailer, so we have um, a, a dedicated rotation of five right. of those. And most of your kill, I understand, is certified organic? Uh, look, we certainly are certified for organic kills, yes. um, and we do have some organic cattle of our own. Yes. Um, <clears throat> we will be killing organic cattle uh, and marketing organic beef in the future. Um, certainly, um, a lot of our cattle are never ever um, and fit never ever programs quite easily, given the, the um, pastoral area here. So, um, you know, as we now we're only in week 10, Kerry, so yeah. if we get um, on our feet a bit further and we'll um, we'll market product under those particular programs. Is, is there a market, I'm tr- struggling to think of it, or a premium, who would pay a premium for organic trim? Is, is, is that what you're after? Or is that the U.S. U- US. The U.S. Do they really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And where's, where are your exports, where are your markets now? Are they... Uh, is the US one of your main markets? And I, I read somewhere that China, you're targeting China as well? Well, not China, we're not China listed. Uh, so, um, but, you know, we, like any other meat processing or meat marketing business in Australia, rely on a, a global market access base, Kerry. You know, yeah. the meat industry is the only industry that has its raw material that walks through the front gate. And with every you know, every piece of raw material being an animal, we get 260 items out of it, whether we like it or not. So um, we don't get to choose. Therefore, we need to find the best market disposition for all of those items that we get. Let's take a, a short break now to hear a message from our podcast partner, Alenco Animal Health. This podcast is brought to you by CompuDose, a proven way to maximise growth rates in grass-fed cattle. CompuDose allows you to target and achieve specifications for most major markets, including MSA grading and feedlots. Contact Alanco and find out how CompuDose can grow your beef operation. Results may vary depending on nutrition. Always read and follow label directions. You're on the grill with Beef Central. Our guest today, David Larkin. He's CEO of the Kimberley Meat Company. I want to go on with markets in a moment, but I just, I just thought I should mention this uh, really crucial subject for meatworks in any area, let alone isolation like yours up in the you know, 100Ks east of, uh, east of Broome. How about labour, skilled labour? Good boners and slices are hard to find anywhere, let alone in your remote location. So, uh, Yeah, look, we've, um, we've focused on that, Kerry. Yeah, we, have, uh, we have ample workers um, and, um, you know, I guess the remote location has probably worked <coughs> in our favour. 
um, because we've been able to attract a workforce here that wants to come and work. Um, that's their major reason for, for coming. So um, <clears throat> we're, we're very lucky that we have a we have an incredibly uh, motivated and um, <clears throat> loyal workforce. Indigenous uh, participants as well? We have some Indigenous yeah. guys here. And yeah. is there accommodation or do they come, or they commute from Broome? No, we provide accommodation. Do you? Really? That's a, that's yeah. a, that would be an incentive for, for sure. Yeah, we provide accommodation. We provide uh, food. Um, we pr- we truck. Uh, we bus them to and from their yeah. accommodation to the plant. So, so they're pretty well looked after. Well, it's there's a lot of incentive there for good workers to go up there. Now, now the meatworks closed as you mentioned last year because cattle were too dear. And I'm guessing somebody said, "Why should we keep losing three hundred dollars a head?" But are cattle any cheaper yeah. these days? Was in 2020. Look, I yeah, think 2020. Um, you know, cattle prices were certainly at their highest. You know, the, the business decided that it didn't want to continue to lose that sort of money. Um, and I think um, yeah, um, they um, probably needed some more focused um, experience management to reopen the plant. And somebody, I guess, like me, who's been in the industry for 30 something years. Um, so, are cattle any cheaper these days than when they were two years ago? Oh, look, I don't know, Kerry, because I don't remember what the cattle price was. I'd probably say to you, other than the last week or so, I know they're about the same price because cattle for the last two years have only gone one way. Or are the returns any better with the exports, etc.? Well, I think, um, yeah, I think um, our production numbers, if you look at the kill, the Australian kill, it's still under 100,000. And even though in the last few weeks there might have been more cattle available for slaughter, um, yeah. I think COVID and um, you know staffing issues across the country have kept that production level down under 100,000 head. And you know certainly the domestic market is the most important underpinning of, of demand for Australian beef, um, and you know it's sort of not satisfied until you get north of a hundred thousand cattle a week. So you know demand is still very strong because production is uh, you know is is corner is bookended you know by COVID and and those sorts of things. David, what's your view of the intermediate or long term view of cattle prices? Are we is this sustainable, this level of prices that we're seeing now, or is there inevitably going to be, as the herd rebuilds, will the price uh, inevitably fall? Well, I certainly think that the pricing has been driven by herd rebuilding and you know, fantastic seasons of water and grass. Yes, so the rain, the, is, the, rain the, the rain over here has been, as you know, it's been extraordinary. There's so much free grass. Yeah, around. and really the herd rebuilding, from what I can see, um, you know, we... We only sort of stopped about 18 months ago killing more females that, um, than was necessary to yeah. sustain the herd. True story, yes. So, you know, we're only 18 months into really a rebuilding phase and, you know, it takes you know, three or four years before that rebuilding phase has, uh, you know, a factor of animals that uh, you know, then need to be culled for age or culled for productivity just naturally. I also think, Kerry, that um, that the demand is there, and the demand will continue to be there. I think some of the you know, the interesting things are the price of grain, and certainly the price of diesel and freight and yes. fertilizer. Oh. So, 
I don't see a crash unless we have a catastrophe like foot and mouth disease or mumpy skin disease, and then that absolutely would be a catastrophe. Absolutely, um, yes. I mean, that would be devastating to Australia because we we really only exist on our clean, green and disease-free status, and we would be brought back to the, you know, the, the next level, which is the South Americans, and you know, obviously they're considerably lower cost of production would become you know, a real issue for us, um, notwithstanding you know, what the, the immediate impact of the diseases would be. So you know, I really hope that and pray really that um, we don't get foot and mouth disease or lumpy skin because I think it would take a generation for us to recover from. Time for a brief message from our sponsor, Kelly's Finance. Established since 1988, Kelly's Finance Group have the finance solutions when it comes to agribusiness lending, from property loans and livestock funding to machinery and vehicle finance. They are the experts in arranging finance on behalf of their clients that not only ensures market-leading interest rates, but more importantly, financing that is suited to your agricultural operations, not your lender's bottom line or their preferred security position. With access to an array of specialist and traditional finance providers, there's no job too big or too small for the Kelly's Finance Group team. Contact Kelly's Finance Group today for an independent and confidential discussion on how we can add value to your business moving forward. You're on the grill with Beef Central. Our guest today, David Larkin, he's CEO of the Kimberley Meat Company. So a friend of mine in Bali has told me that he considers uh, foot, uh, beg your pardon, lumpy skin disease inevitable in Australia because mm. it's going to come in on the breeze and you can't stop the breeze. You can stop FMD if your protocols are good enough, but uh, lumpy skin disease is another matter. It's, uh, these biosecurity problems are just emerged in the last six months. Have you got any view on what they're doing uh, about FMD? Well, obviously, you know, Indonesia has FMD and they're vaccinating and they've got a very heavy program of vaccination. Um, yeah, FMD is not a new disease in the world. No. Um, uh, so, you know, one would hope that the investment and endeavours that both people in Indonesia and, and you know, uh, Australia and around the world are undertaking and gets on top of the issue. You know, there is a, a, a recognised vaccine to put in now. Yeah. Uh, lumpy skin, you know, um, one would hope that the work that scientists and, and regulators are doing can get on top of that. Um, you know, they tell me that there are some, you know, there are some capabilities to, to manage its spread and one would hope that, you know, before the next wet season that, you know, that is a, is a reality. The yeah. word, the word um, I'm told is that the current vaccine for lumpy skin disease is well dangerous because it's alive, yeah. and and but they are working on another vaccine and they hope to have it out within several months. But uh, listen, David, moving on, yeah. put, the, put the big hat on. Can you see, uh, given current circumstances and the extraordinary demand for protein from a lot of our overseas markets, can you see any possibility that that big um, AACO abattoir south of Darwin might reopen? Uh, I think it's um, not for me to comment, Kerry. That's for AACO yeah. and their shareholders. Yeah, they'll be they'll be taking cattle from a different area, but uh, it was a, a big investment that missed. That's always in the back of your mind when you're working there, I suppose. You've got to get this right, haven't uh, you? 
what's in the back of my mind is what I do to this plant to continue to make this plant efficient and yeah. grow and, uh, you know, our plan uh, next year is to work 11 months of the year. Um, yeah, we'll, we will have cattle around us and on feed to be able to come back in early February, wet, irregardless of the wet season. And, you know, we'll double our numbers for next year, so that's what's in the back of my mind, Gary. Fantastic. Now, David, you've had a remarkable career uh, in your terrific contribution to the beef industry is acknowledged far and wide. And as I said at the start, you have one of the toughest gigs in Australia, but everybody wishes you well. David, thank you for appearing with us on Beef Central. Cheers, Gary. Thanks for your time. And thank you for joining me today. Until next time, I'm Kerry Lonigan, and this is The Weekly Grill, brought to you by Alenco Animal Health and the Kelly's Finance Group.